This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I am Joe Rimmy, your host. I'm joined by two fine young gentlemen on this lovely Friday afternoon. Dan Kay, how are we? Very well, Joe. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Ian Doyle, how are you? How do you think I am? If you're Ian Doyle, you're dour, annoyed. Curmudgeonly. I'm full of beans for life and got a real zest for it. Let's go on. Let's go on. Right. (laughs) Some some wonderful breaking news this afternoon at 5pm. Joel Matip has signed a new five-year deal with the Reds. Um, Ian Doyle, <coughs> how mm. Liverpool have, have signed up many of their top players to um, to long-term deals in, in recent years. Uh, how significant is this one for the Reds? Well, given the fact that he is a regular in the first team and a Champions League winner who was, well, he wasn't exactly cutting to the right at the end of his contract. He was nearer the end of the beginning. It is significant news, of course it is. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because... If Liverpool were to put him up for sale, who would buy him? There'd probably be loads of the leading Champions League teams now that would, would go for him. He was somebody that, that Klopp brought in on a free transfer, didn't he, from Schalke? 2016, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, yep, 2016. Yeah. So if he goes all the way through to where we, where we understand that his contract is going to go to 2024, if he gets to the end of that, it's eight years. It's a long time for a player at a club like Liverpool, certainly a player that's come from abroad as well. Um, so it underlines Klopp's faith. Yeah, he, Klopp used his, his Bundesliga knowledge to, to bring him over because he knew he was on a free transfer and he, he got him on a on a pre-contract, didn't he, back in uh, in 2016. We all know the story of Matip. Started very well first season and then there was kind of the second season. I wouldn't say tailed off, but I think people wondering, oh, maybe that's... He's dropped down the rankings with, you know, Lovren was doing particularly well, Van Dijk had come in and, and there was Go- Joe Gomez as well. But, you know, since... I, I've written many a time that since the turn of the year, I think he's been Liverpool's best defender, been better than... Van Dijk, which given the standards that Van Dijk's been setting, shows you how well Matic's been doing. And for I mean, for him to sign the contract suggests that he's very happy where he is. He retired from international football a couple of years ago, so he's one of those players that I think Klopp likes because he's not got that you know the worry of going off for international breaks. He he and he and knows like summers off at, at tournaments or whatever have you. So if somebody can rely on he. he you know, he's a very good defender and obviously very committed to Liverpool. It can only be good news. Dan, I have to hold my hands up. I underestimated Joe Matip. If you'd asked me a year or so ago what I thought of him, I would have thought, you know, sort of decent fourth choice, perhaps player, but but not brilliant. Where do you stand on him? Do, do, do you think he's had this big turnaround or, or did you always rate him? No, I, I, I don't think you'll be alone in um, having that kind of view of him mm. uh, to be honest you and I, I'm kind of largely in the same boat myself he came in as Doyley said Klopp's first real summer um, we had high hopes he had a reasonable reputation in Schalke mm-hmm. and he did okay you know a, a, a decent first season then uh, this, you know he, he massively fell out of the pecking order and for me personally I you know I, I may have said this story on the pod before but the game that always sticks in my mind was the the 4-1 against uh, Tottenham at Wembley in October 17 and really you know, the, most of the attention that day was on Dejan Lovren who had a nightmare with substitutes after half an hour but I I really kind of saw that to me was, was the day I kind of 
completely saw my arse with, 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 with Matip and just kind of thought... You're just the, the Middle East, East again? So, well, he's <laughs> in the Middle East. See, see you soon. Yeah. The, it, it, you know, without going into all the, 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 the full detail of it, it was a difficult, game, a difficult day for Liverpool but they, and a very difficult first half, two down after a quarter of an hour, but they got themselves back into the game, arguably could and should have been level by half-time. And just on half-time, Matip produced this lame, tame header from you know a defensive header from a free kick straight to Deli Ali who made it three one and basically killed the game and I remember saying afterwards I don't want to see him in a red shirt again. Um, obviously then Van Dyke came in in the summer, established a relationship with with Lovren that took us to Kiev and I think most people wouldn't have been surprised to have seen Matip yeah. leave that summer the summer of eighteen. Even the first half of last season, I think he, he came in and played against Southampton at home early in the season scored a header. Yep. But I think that we all kind of had the sense at the time of that. Yeah, well, he's 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 the third or fourth choice guy. Obviously, Joe Gomez had established himself a little bit by that point. I wouldn't argue with what Doyle said there. You know, arguably he has been Liverpool's player of 2019. He's been outstanding, and I don't think it's any coincidence that you know, in an era when Liverpool have paid serious money for serious players, which has paid off. Only recently, in the last month or so, I think Klopp actually said that Matip on a free is arguably as good a value as Liverpool have done in the market for a long time, and, and I wouldn't dispute that. Absolutely. Doyle, a lot of people would say Van Dyke makes players around him better and yeah. I'd agree with that. But do you think at times Van Dyke almost gets too much credit and Joel Matip perhaps doesn't get enough credit for his turnaround? That's always been the way though, hasn't it? That's always been the way when you've got a player that, that's as good as Van Dyke. I'm sure some of the if you ask some of the Barcelona players about Lionel Messi, they'll say, well, hang on, I did quite a bit in that particular game, you know, just because he stepped up in the last minute and put one into the top corner. Um, so it's not just unique to Van Dyke. Yeah, Matip... I remember that Tottenham game actually. Yeah, I wasn't at that game. I was at Everton that day, and it was coming out, and somebody was showing me the goals and goals on the phone. It was like, oh dear, look at that one. Uh, it was shocking. Yeah. It was such an unusual half. It was like four mm. games in one half, but and to but to go in three one down when we should have been at worst two two yeah. was demoralising. And it, people used to say about Daniel Agger, he was, he was technically an excellent footballer. Yeah, he had a decent Liverpool career. But there was always this perception that I suppose I kind of bought into a little bit that he was a bit weak, maybe, you know, physically had a lot of well, injury problems. I was going to mention that about Massive, but, but, yeah. but also maybe a bit weak mentally sometimes that if he'd had an error, it would really kind of weigh on him. And I've got to be honest, I kind of, and I hold my hands up, I kind of put Massive in that same kind of category, certainly around about that era. But he has totally gone on. And I mean, it's a great thing when a, when a footballer proves you wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm you know, more than delighted to hold my hands up sometimes and say, yeah, I was talking absolute bubbles there mm-hmm. um, and you know I think a lot yeah, I yeah, think but you pro- probably to be fair you probably weren't talking bubbles at the time it, it, he has had a he has improved you can, only go, you can only go, go by what you saw at yeah. the time yeah. and Liverpool were in a position where they had the three other centre well Van Dijk plus you know, obviously Matip and there were other options basically and so Klopp can turn around and just go right well I'm going to pick you and, and in the end I think it was just a couple of months after, wasn't it, that Van Dyke arrived? It was around Two that. Months after it was around that time that they were saying, "Well, what can Liverpool do now at centre back?" And they were saying, "Why didn't they buy one in the summer when, you know, Lovren and Matip aren't doing particularly well at that particular time?" Well, they tried time. to buy yeah. Van Dyke, didn't they? Obviously. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Clumsy. I remember doing podcasts every week with mm. answering the same question and going, "Well, you know, they're going to sign Van Dyke." And you didn't know for sure, but obviously you knew they were going to go back in for him. We're going back, going back to Matip. He was obviously, um, he was injury prone as well. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Him and Lovren. Matip, 
he had the what was, was it one season where he just he ended the season ended early? I can't quite remember. An ankle. It was seventeen eighteen, the Champions League, the first time they got to the Champions League final, wasn't yeah. it? So he missed a lot of that season. And then he, that meant he had to ca- catch up quite a lot the following campaign. He played that Southampton game last season that you mentioned, but it was the game against Napoli where he came and had a very good game where the one one nil uh, Alisson save at the end. Yeah. And then in injury time he did his shoulder. So then you didn't see course, you didn't yeah. see yeah. Matip again for another for another six weeks. And it was only because Lovren then got an injury against yeah. Wolves yeah. Cup, yeah. that Matip was then rushed in because Fabinho had to play alongside Van Matt, Dijk. And, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was the Brighton game as well, wasn't it, where he had to play there as yes. well, I think. Yeah. And of course, Van Dijk didn't play against Bayern Munich. So it almost like it, it took him all that time, which is what, two and a half years into his Liverpool career before, not saying the penny dropped, but he just went, well, hang on, now this, this I've got a chance here. This is a very good team. We're doing well. I've got a player next to me who, who when I've played against alongside him previously, he's clearly helped improve my game. And they've just kicked on from there. And he looks happier in himself. He looks more confident. And you only have to see that when he's taking the ball out of defence and he goes on his Messi-esque runs. You know, <laughs> I think he did one at Sheffield United, didn't he, recently, where he just ended up at the edge of the penalty area. And one day he's just going to go through everybody yeah. and just put it in. Them. Yeah. So He did that for Schalke a couple of times. I remember mm. seeing them before, before he signed. Even when he signed for Liverpool, I think we've mentioned it in the past that people forget that he played in the Champions League. You mentioned it. He played in the Champions League semi-final for Schalke. So yes, when United, yeah, uh, yeah, he would have been yeah, twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the few, one of those, and that's when he was like reasonably young. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's got a lot of experience. It, it's just that it's probably taken this long for him to get this year to show what he actually really is all about. Do you think he became Dan a little bit more aggressive? Because my my issue with Matip in the past. And, and that Tottenham game is case in point. He was almost, I thought he was almost shirking responsibility and allowing the likes of Dejan Lovren to, to go and attack balls, lose out, and then Lovren would look daft. But Massive is sweeping up him. Massive would be behind him and, and not really doing enough. But but then he seems to have undergone almost like a personality transplant in, in this but game. But, but that could be, sorry to interrupt, no, no. That, that's come from, I remember when Liverpool played at Manchester United and you know, got beat the 2-1 game where Rashford yeah, scored. Yeah, yeah. And Lovren got done by Lukaku. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of that season, he did an interview and he said he was asked, not specifically about that, but he was talking about the way that they're asked to defend. And he says, look, we're made, Jurgen Klopp says to us, or me in particular, not me, him, uh, to attack the ball. That's yeah. why he wants them to go high. And I think maybe with Matip, Van Dijk is doing that now and is a lot more successful at it than Lovren is. It's not, it's not a slight on Lovren because Van Dijk's more successful yeah. at it than everybody else. That's why he's the best defender in the world. Um, it allows Matip to play more of his normal game and he gets in an awful lot of blocks. And I, th- yeah. I did a piece a couple of weeks ago looking at the actual raw stats and I think he's had more blocks than Van Dijk, more tackles. And he's more, su- weirdly, he's more successful in the amount of times that he's cleared the ball with his head. But I which given him- the fact, he's, I've always said that he's got a bit of a 50p yeah. head, certainly when it comes to being in the attacking penalty area. Yeah, But I find him more aggressive now in the air. He seems to go yeah. and attack balls with a bit more confidence. Is that perhaps down to... Better than in, you know, it takes sometimes well, we, we underestimate how difficult it is for these players to come to a new country, um, get new Liverpool's back line, injuries. I think sometimes you just get you just get players who are like a slow burner. Yeah. Um, you know, when Matip came in, it was Klopp's first summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, we've talked about it in, in a variety of different contexts before, but it's been a very much a learning curve for Klopp and his squad in terms of how to manipulate the freshness of the squad and how to, you know, the economy of, to manage the fitness so that it's able, you know, obviously the way we play is very physically intensive. And 
that's certainly one area where where, where you've, you've been able to see a discernible improvement season on season where you know, that first season, 16, 17, the legs fell off in January and yeah. they hobbled over the line into, into fourth spot in literally <coughs> the last game of the season against Middlesbrough. Whereas each season, they just seem to have had a bit more in the tank towards the end. So, so I think that is one aspect to it. But I, I think I think the, the, probably the key factor is, like you said, I think it's just, it's taken him time to to find his feet. I mentioned just before, just before we started this, um, I, I saw it was on one of the, the programmes on LFC TV this week, like a kind of like little magazine programme they have called LFC Later. And it's kind of quite a relaxed type show. And he came across really well in it, but but at the same time came across as what's the old line? So 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 laid back, he's almost horizontal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he he is clearly one of those kind of a very kind of phlegmatic, easygoing type of character, which you wouldn't, which you would think wouldn't necessarily lend itself to being a defender in you know playing at the top level of English and European football. But maybe it's just one of these where it's almost like a. <laughs> He almost lulls opponents into a false sense of security because he's, even though he's tall, very tall, he's quite spindly, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? But he's more robust, I think, than than maybe he yeah. appears at first glance. And um, I just happened to see a couple of days ago that epic Barcelona game, which yeah, he had a smashing game in. Um, but the, that spell in the first half when we were under the cost a little bit, and there was one moment when kind of Barcelona kind of sprung the offside trap and it was almost like half the team stopped yeah. and all of a sudden Messi and one of their other players it was almost like two on one yeah. and Matip just managed to get back in and just calmly just stick out a foot almost with his back to mm. Messi and just poke the ball away from him and that to me said that is I think it's that that calmness that composure I think he's found the right blend between the calmness and as you say being a little bit more front foot and a bit more aggressive certainly than what he was in his original in his early days OK well let's move on uh, Ian Doyle, you were at Jurgen Klopp's press conference today. I was, Joe um, it, it felt like it, it was a longer one than, than usual. Uh, a lot to ask him about the Man United game. Um, but first, he did use the most Dan Kay phrase ever. <laughs> salt on the did soup. It, the salt on the soup. That, that, it just, thought, it's almost straight from the Dan Kay quote book, isn't I it? I told him. I said, yeah, where's, where's me cut? Yeah, I'm also, you know, like managers talk about not reading newspapers and watching the telly. Just some he of the stuff he quite clearly is just. He always says, I don't, listen, I don't read quite, what you write. Quite and then quotes it yeah, he quite, He's done that to me. Yeah. <laughs> he quite clearly was watching the television and he's been sat at home watching Sky Sports News going, Oh, I see where this is going. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> yeah. He, so he made mention that today, didn't he? He said, like, I saw those. Um, I think it was the Danny Mills team, wasn't it? The combined team. Well, somebody else did it as well. Oh, a few, a few, a few of them did. Yeah, the combined yeah. team were no Man United players. If, if anybody has been living under a rock who yeah. doesn't know this, that's what's happened. They've been picking a combined Liverpool United team and they put no Manchester United players in it whatsoever, which I'll be honest, is a bit stupid. After uh, we, well, we, we, we don't have to do, do that, that ourselves, you but there are no two or three. But yeah, you, yeah, you wouldn't have yeah. many, but I'd, I'd probably say Pogba might get in there. He's quite good at football, so as much as he's a little bit of a divisive character, it's you know, a difficult one. He didn't get Pogba. into the PFA, he got into the PFA Player of the Year team, uh, player PFA Team of the Year. Sorry, because the other players voted for him, and the other ones who come up against everybody else mm. and go, well, actually, he's really difficult to play against. I agree. I think I think Pogba. But, and I think if you watched him for France, he is a phenomenal footballer, but. <laughs> I suppose you can only go off what we said before. You can only go off what you see each week. And I would rather he wasn't playing for Manchester United on Sunday. So, 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 going back to what anyway, so yeah. Jurgen Klopp said, look, this is just a circus. They're trying to build a banana skin, is what he said. And uh, 
he's he's fitting into and I hate this word. The narrative is what he's got onto is the fact that everyone's Hipster. build everyone's don't say that please. Okay. Everyone's building up Manchester United to be this plucky underdog against Liverpool who are the big well, let's face it, they are European champions and eight points clear. So that's not beyond dispute. But to say Manchester United sort of you know, uh, uh, they are struggling, but are they the world's smallest team in the world? Are they? I mean, let's face it, they spent an absolute fortune on that squad. Yeah. And if everybody's fit, they'll be doing an awful lot better than they are at the moment. And Klopp kind of hints at that going, well, you know, De Gea and Pogba were out two days ago and uh, today they, they might be playing and, you know, what, tomorrow they're going to be fit. So he said that he's preparing for the best Manchester United team, which presumably would include Pogba, De Gea, Martial, Wan-Bissaka, not Fred. <laughs> not Fred. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Dan, do you think Solskjaer's doing a bit of a Alex Ferguson and playing down the sorry, playing up these injuries? Beforehand? Well, it wouldn't be the first time. And I, I, yeah, when it was it Monday, Tuesday that they you know certainly at one point in midweek this, the news came out Pogrand again not playing. Yeah. And I did see a kind of a fair bit of cynicism yeah. of the Reds of a certain age, shall we say? I mean, I always the era of kind of Brian Robson. I mean, you know, often in the build-ups for Liverpool game, oh yeah, Robson won't play, Robson won't play, and then sure yeah. enough. The, the old, yeah. We mentioned this before, the Ferguson rule, I was called, it was divide by two minus one. So if they said, like, he's out yeah. for four weeks, a couple of days later, he's out for two weeks, and then, oh, he's back the next week. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I, the, the, I think there may there may be a certain element of kidology. And I, I did see some of the press conferences, and also some of Solskjaer's press conference today, where I came to work. And I think he did. He said, De Gea, unlikely, Pogba, definitely not. Um, at the same time, I don't think he's, and this is maybe one of the, the kind of the, the obstacles he's got that might actually prevent him being a success. I don't think he's quite as savvy or as cute in terms of his dealings with the British media as, say, someone like Ferguson would be. Mm. Now, that might change. He's only been in the post <coughs> less than a year. Mm. He does seem a little bit wet around the ears, doesn't he? A bit green around the gills. So I, I, I'm. <laughs> I'll accept <laughs> wet around yeah, the ears, but not green around yeah, the gills. No, actually, green around the gills is wrong. That means he's feeling not, sick, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay, yeah. sorry. I got a mixed with metaphors there. Um, salt in the, yeah, in the, in the ice cream. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reality is, you know, it's Manchester United against Liverpool and it doesn't matter how many points, you know, Andy Robertson said it this week, doesn't matter how many points clear one team is. What's been in my mind all week is the fact that when, when we were great and they were rubbish, um, they still kept beating us. I think, I think during the 80s, I think in the league anyway, we won one game at home and one game away. In the whole decade, is that right? Yeah, I'm sure they well, well, was, I knew it was only one at home, and I, and I saw I saw this week it was only one away as well. It, it's it, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's correct. By the same token, when they were great and all conquering, and we weren't so good, Gerard Houlet and, and the other Red Liverpool managers at the time had a good record against them. It's one of those kind of games where the cliched form book goes out the window. Um, what I would say, sorry, about that is that when Liverpool win under Gerard Houlet, they were a team who. Won quite a few trophies. Yeah, and this and when they won for the four-one, they were going for the league against them, and the three-nil they were. So it's, you know, United are not great at the moment, and I don't think we should forget that they're not. But but already, even in what eight games this season, we've already seen Norwich, who I think are still but not Norwich are bottom, aren't they? Yeah. And yet, and yet they inflicted a three-one, was it three or three-two in there, wasn't it? Three-two. Yeah. They've already beaten Manchester City. There have already been, you know, City losing at home to Wolves. Liverpool cannot afford to be complacent. At the same time, and we might get, onto it, might get onto this in a bit, it was two points dropped there last year. Um, and it was a costly two points. You know, when you lose the league by one point, two points in a game you feel you could have got more, more from is, is costly. So I, I, I do want to see us go there and be a little bit more positive and 
um, and, and, and assertive. Yeah. The reality is, though, Liverpool have a poor record there. It's not that good. Sorry. So, okay. so anyway. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> we'll Go come on. to that, Dan. Okay. You, Sorry. You ruined all my questions with why I'm stealing your thunder. Yeah. Um, but before we do come to that, we will discuss their, their form at Old Trafford. But do you think that the Klopp's perhaps playing is... I, I won't use the, the words mind games because... I, I don't he think expressly said that he's not games. playing mind games but, and he but, said that Solskjaer isn't playing them either. He that's said, a mind game. He did mention about the team, didn't he? Say about Alli- the team well, news. He mentioned Alisson, Salah and Matip and normally be like, yeah, they're going to be okay. But he was even now he was like, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah nothing's fixed. He said, and then he basically said, why should I give my give away my, my team selection? That's the one advantage I've got over, or the one advantage any manager's got over another manager is knowing what the team's going to be. Yeah. yeah. So fair, I, I think he's just, you know, he's trying to be a little bit clever about it. So what I was going to ask you Go is, on. do you think Klopp's trying to be a little bit clever about it? With well, I Alison think <laughs> I think he is Matthew. trying to be a little bit clever about it. Yes, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So do you think all three will play? Yes. Yeah. Dan? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, Liverpool have a poor record at Old Trafford under Klopp. Uh, he's only played three Premier League games there because they'd already played... He's got a poor record. Before. Liverpool got a poor record full stop at Old Trafford. Yeah. yeah. One win in 10 years, basically. Under Klopp. Three and 18. Um, the 1-1s one where Trent made his debut. Uh, a 2 on defeat. Um, when Lukaku scored a couple of times, we talked about before, and then last year's nil-nil. What is it, do you think, Doyle, about Old Trafford? Because Liverpool under Klopp have gone everywhere else and, and recorded mm. quite impressive victories. But what, what is it, do you think, about Old Trafford that has stopped Liverpool doing that? I don't know. It's not. It's Why? All right, let's have a think. Um, well, it's not. It's not. It isn't. Okay, it isn't. Apart from the Europa League game. Okay, the Europa League game. I don't. Yeah. I don't okay right. There's I, another draw. I don't necessarily think Good it's draw, the Good it's draw. the intimidating atmosphere because while Klopp didn't make mention of the fact you know old traffic can be get a bit lively, it's not not the same league. It's not in the same league as Anfield. Also, it's it's not you know and by the other token, it's not like Sellers Park or somewhere like that. It is a big stadium and it's got a good atmosphere, but it's never going to you know scare a Liverpool team that's been to all these other places and won. I think it's more. Well, United at home, they're very comfortable. I know they got beat, but it was at Crystal Palace this yeah. season at home. Well, they did beat Chelsea 4-0. And I know this was a Chelsea team that are going to be, looks this season, they're going to be cape, you know, liable or doing stuff like that. You know, we're going somewhere and winning and then getting absolutely thrashed when they come against somebody good. But Old Trafford is, you know, United rely on that in the same way that Liverpool rely on Anfield, the same way that Chelsea rely on Stamford Bridge. No matter how bad Chelsea are at certain points, if, say, the season, they're like 11th or 12th. Say Watford go there and win, it's still a surprise. Yeah. Even if Watford were in eleventh place above them, you know, it's just there are certain stadiums like Everton, Goodison, you know, yeah. Everton aren't doing particularly well, but it's still a surprise when Sheffield United go there and win. Yeah. yeah. You know, so United are strong at home. Liverpool, I think, they do have this mental issue in the same way. Going back to Everton, Everton have at Anfield. I think Liverpool going to Old Trafford. It's just been built up into this thing. Why do we? Never win there. It's the fans thinking that. Does that reflect on the players? I don't know. If you're just talking in terms of the talent, Liverpool should win because yeah. they've got a better team. They've got better players and they've got better tactics and they've got a better manager. And they've got, you know, less, fewer injuries, sorry. And they've got more momentum, this, that and the other. So everything's going for Liverpool. But United, like any any big team, when their back's up against the wall, that's when they're very strong. And the reality is... United's backs are up against the wall. They're up against it. The what is it? Fifteen points behind Liverpool after eight games. All these injuries. Okay, I expect some of them to come back. Manager under pressure. Club nowhere near as good or performing as well as it should be in terms of on the field. Off the off the field, something different. Um, and then they've had this whole week where it's almost like 
a lot of the press and the media have been going, haha, Man United, aren't yeah. they terrible? Which is, brings us back to what Klopp was talking about the team. He said, this is just being built to banana skin. Mm. I don't think it needs any of that. Yeah. United didn't really, really need any of that. I mean, Solskjaer probably doesn't even need to have a team talk, does he? He just goes, right, that's what everybody's been saying. Now go out there and prove them all wrong. Prove that you should be in this combined team, etc., etc." You wouldn't blame them. I think that's what Klopp was worried about a little bit. But he also said, if we go there and play the way that we can play, we fight, we show our quality, you know, we keep calm, all that kind of stuff, show emotion in the right way, then, then we've got a very good chance of winning. And I know he'll ask us later on for our predictions, but <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, anybody that goes to Old Trafford and gets a point, it's a good result, no matter who you are. Arsenal won one earlier this season, that's a good result for them. So you look, Chelsea and Leicester both lost there. And these are decent teams that you're going to expect to be up in the top six and seven. So it's not going to be an easy game, no matter what. Dan, do you think there's a bit of a mental block going on there, Old Trafford? I think they haven't played to the potential, have they? No, certainly in recent years. And I think, you know, I think it goes back a bit longer than that because obviously until certainly the last couple of years, certainly until Ferguson left, they were the dominant force. And so there probably was a slight inferiority complex at times, even if, as I said, we did go there under Julian Benitez and, and Rodgers and get the odd good result here and there. Generally, they were finishing above us most years and obviously winning leagues. You know, and, and from you know, when Ferguson took over, it was, what, it's 18-7? And now it's 2018. You know, they've literally won, what is it, 13 leagues since our last one. So I think that's maybe partially embedded in the minds of certainly some of the fans. But of course, the fans don't go out on the pitch. No. Ultimately, it's, it's up to the players and the manager and the substitutes and and everything, you know, they're the ones who ultimately will will make or break it. I'd I'd agree with what Doyley said in that there has been a kind of, you know, a a kind of a snowballing element over the kind of all the talk building up to the game that kind of like United are a laughing stock and Liverpool only have to turn up. And Klopp is quite right to try and really try and shoot that down and say, listen, it doesn't matter what's gone on before. The, the 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 reality is this is still the biggest club match in world football in my opinion. Well, Manchester United. Chance. That's a big shout. I think I think it is. I think it's bigger than I think it's bigger than Celtic Rangers, it's bigger than um Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's certainly bigger than Manchester City, Liverpool. I think for, for me personally, Liverpool Everton will always be the most important game. But in terms of size and scale, Manchester United versus Liverpool is a is a global game. And the, the, the LFC TV did a superb documentary this week that they've made free to watch on YouTube about kind of like the history of the rivalry, which of course, it's not just a footballing rivalry. The Liverpool-Manchester thing goes back to the to them basically building the ship canal to rob all our trade, doesn't it? In, in like, you know, the 1700s, 1800s. So it, it runs very deep. And I just think we need to, you know, Liverpool need to be on their game and not think that they, that they just have to turn up because... You know, football, as we all know, can be a capricious mistress. Um, and <laughs> Do we all know that? <laughs> Guy, did you know that? <laughs> well, you've learned some... Well, it, 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 You're allowed what, to talk, by the way. <laughs> when I say that, I mean... That's that our it, producer, by the way. Yeah. It has, football has this ability to turn things on its head, to produce the unexpected, to, to defy logic. And it, and it happens again and again and again, and particularly with the fact of the retio, this this long winning run that we've had. My mind keeps going back to 87-88 when Liverpool won the first 29 games. Sorry, Liverpool were undefeated for the first 29 league games of the season, equaled Leeds United's record by drawing at Derby. The game when they could have broken the record was at Goodison Park against the pretty average Everton side. They were better and, than average, to be fair to them. They had won well, the league the previous the range, year. They were the reigning no, league champions. No, but they were on the, they were on the slide. Then, and obviously, you've got to remember, this was an 
arguably the best ever yeah. Liverpool team as well. And we got beat one 0 So you know that that is the little nagging fear in the back of, in the back of my mind at the moment. But once it gets to Sunday, you get your game face on. You get your your vocal cords lubricated, and um, you hope that the boys will do the business and do us proud. There's nothing for Manchester United to lose on Sunday, and that is the main concern that and Liverpool that, would have. 100%. Liverpool have got everything to lose. That makes them dangerous. Yeah. That makes them dangerous. Of course, right, before we um, we do our team and our predictions, mm. just just quickly, I know both of you guys, <clears throat> uh, Doyle, you've been out about in the press conferences, Dan, you, you've only just come in later on this afternoon. So Liverpool's high court battle with New Balance has commenced today at the high court in London. Um, it, it's a, a fascinating case. I, I urge everyone to, to go and click on our live blog and, and just read through the updates. Uh, Johnny Humphreys uh, is down there in London for us. He's, he's doing an incredible job. Um, and it is fascinating. Liverpool, essentially, Liverpool are arguing that New Balance cannot reach the same amount of people as Nike could. Um, and then New Balance are arguing that they can and that they have a matching clause which Liverpool should honour. So, really fascinating stuff. We've, we've, goes into next week as well, doesn't yeah. Monday, 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 Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday yeah. as well. So it'll so worth a look. It's, it's definitely worth a look. Um, we've got a couple of breakout stories and we're going to have a wrap later on um, with all today's events. So go and have a look. Um, it really is. There's been a lot of interest in the kids stuff. But Joe, what sport does Ginny Wijnaldum play? Well, yeah, that is one of the questions <laughs> that's been asked. Uh, the judge there didn't know who Ginny Wijnaldum is. Well, and he did also ask, does Liverpool's kit stay red every season? Well, that's a good question yep. to ask. The home yep. one, yes. Yep. Socks don't. Oh, oh, let's not get down that let's one. Not go down from, it's Van Dyke just wears red ones. He just says, no, I'll just have them. Someone does it. And isn't it? They, they, they just, or has he taped it, it up? Like or has he taped it, it up? Think, yeah. It? Yeah. And yeah. the tapes and stuff. Anyway, right. Let's um, get back to the game very quickly. Can we not have more team. conversation about socks? No. 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 Okay. People didn't tune in to listen to us talk socks. <laughs> Unless you want us to do a sock special. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. Doily and, and Dan will sit, sit together and do a sock special. <laughs> sock special. I've got a couple of, a, a lovely pair of uh, pair Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. So, so got off on a tangent. Um, the team. Alison we... Becker in goal. Yes. 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 That's what we Not do, how, and that's I mean, what we think. Is it, yeah, I think yes, basically to both of those things. I think. You, I think you, you could you're say you're comfortable throwing him straight in into this sort of game. It's not like he's yeah, and, and also it's not like he's just literally come back from being injured. He was injured ages ago. He probably could have played against Leicester. Yeah, he'd really, really want to. He's also the type of character that just seems to be. I know it sounds a bit harsh on Adrian, but Adrian's done way better than anybody could have expected, and. Come the end of the season, he'll have played at least, I reckon, five or six more games, yeah. at least five or six more games, hopefully. And he'll have played his part in whatever ends up uh, being a, whether it's a successful season, hopefully, or not for Liverpool. Yep. OK, clean sweep there. Um, back four, I'm pretty sure will be a clean sweep as well. Yep. Uh, Trent. Yep. Matthew. Mm-hmm. Van Dijk. Mm-hmm. Trent's an interesting one because he didn't play there last year. Milner played right oh. back. And then the season before is the one where he struggled. Uh, up against Rashford. Rashford and then the one before that is where he's he made his debut, debut. so yeah. yeah so it's going to be you know a bit interesting one for Trent shall we I say I think he's matured a lot since he has um, last even even last year um, so yeah Trent uh, midfield it's Ooh, always the $64,000 yeah. question yeah. isn't it really, the I, think, I think Fabulous Eno is going to be in there yep yeah I agree with that yeah mm. 
Was it Old Trafford last year when Jordan Henderson got substituted and, he, and, and he a little bit of a contretemps yes, with Yes, uh, that is correct. The manager just as, mm. as, as, as he But he played he a strange... F- didn't, that's when they had to play that strange formation. Yeah. He was playing in a different thing yeah. and then Firmino went off and it yeah. all went... Yeah, it anyway. wasn't his finest hour uh, last, last season there. Yeah, for, for the manager or the players, but yeah, listen, they're human. Um, so yeah, I think I'd, I'd go Henderson, Fabino, and then it's almost you know toss a coin, Van Alden, Kater. I think Kater, Chamberlain. I, I, K- I, I think, Chamberlain's I think something. I think something's going to happen. I don't think Henderson's playing for a start. Don't okay, you? I don't think Henderson's playing. So and I think Van Alden will play. Yeah. So then I think it's between Milner and Kater. Or an Oxley Chamberlain, and no, I'm not doing that. No. Uh, it's all of them. No, not Alana. I think. So you think? I think. Go for I a think, bit of an X factor. I think something's going to happen in the midfield that's going to perhaps throw us a little bit. I th- I'm not sure whether the fans will be too happy if Milner's in there, even though he's quite clearly been playing well. Yeah, and it's, it's had two weeks yeah. rest. Yeah. I mean, United are probably going to. Play, well, basically, United played four-two-three-one all season, apart from the last game where they played up at Newcastle four-three-one-two and lost. So. I'd imagine they're going to go back to four two three one, and it's probably going to be Matic and McTominay. So it's how you cope with that. Fabinho can look after whoever the central one is in the you know the three, which will probably be matter. So we look after him. So it's you go in two against two. Which two do you want to go up against them? Do you fancy Milner? Do you fancy Wijnaldum? I want Wijnaldum in there. Yeah, I don't want Wijnaldum. And, energy in his legs. And, and then yeah. it's can you risk Cater? I mean, Cater for me. He's going to have to start playing at some point. And he did play against Manchester. I'm pretty sure he played against Manchester United Anfield last season. I'm pretty sure he started that game. I think you might I th- be right, I think, yeah. um, So it's it's a big... I know, I'm going to go Cater. Cater. Go I'm going Cater, yeah. yeah. I've taught myself into so it. Also, I think I'm also Cater not would... the manager, so it doesn't really matter what <laughs> yeah. I think. I think Cater would give them a, a more... I think one of the things Liverpool haven't done well at Old Trafford is go and impose their... Yeah their game on it and I think Cater will perhaps give Liverpool a more attacking drive us forward yeah, break the lines that type of thing but saying all that I'd pick Henderson so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big fan of Cater and I do yeah. think he's going to have a big part to play for us this season I think he'd be more inclined maybe to start him at Genk yeah, yeah, yeah. and I would think probably it might, you know, it might be more a Milner a Milner, a Milner no. job certainly certainly to start the game off so you're not playing Wijnaldum no I am playing Wijnaldum so I'm, I'm, I'm going uh, Fabino Wijnaldum Henderson Hang on, he can't play Milner. All right, Milner as well. Okay. No, no, so Milner instead of um, one album. Okay. What confused. are you going for? Uh, I'm going for Fabinho, uh, Henderson, one album. Oh, so you've gone for the normal one. So we've picked three completely different yeah, midfields. But, well, that was so like different clear ones. as much. Yeah. And, and we're going to all go pick the same strike force. So. Yep, Origi, Shakiri, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> right, predictions. I'll tell you what, that was, yeah, last season that almost finished the game, didn't it? Mm. Predictions time, Ian Doyle, you can go first. No, I want to go last. Okay, all right, I'll go first. Go on. I'm going to go on, I just have a feeling. Nil-nil. Yeah. Nil-nil again? Yeah, yeah, just another, I, I just think they will be quite effective of getting up for it, a lot of high balls, just and just grind out a nil-nil Dog and out. celebrate it. Um, yeah. So that, that's just, I, I hope not, but that's just the feeling I've got. Okay, I'm going to go Manchester United 1, Liverpool 3. Wow. I hope you're right. I, would, I Basically, I would like to say that whatever happens, unless it's, and I think we mentioned this in, in the office of the day, unless United, unless it's a slight ridiculous score like 7 all, which is clearly never going to happen, any other scoreline isn't a surprise to me unless United win by three goals or more. If United won 2-0, I would not be surprised in the slightest. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. <laughs> United win 3-1 would not be surprised in the slightest. In just, the slightest? Yeah, but just, I, I've seen these games so many times. 
and been there so mm. many times and mm. I know what it's like and I've watched Manchester United not playing Liverpool playing other teams including Everton and all that so I know exactly what the difference playing that's why I mentioned it before that Old Trafford makes on these players admittedly when things don't go so well it can go against them that's why if Liverpool do get an early lead they've got to build on that I think it's going to finish one all. There you go. There you have it. No surprises for Ian Doyle at Old Trafford. Unless it's 3-0 to United, which yeah. I will be surprised. Yeah, well, there you go. So, right, we're hopefully we'll be back Monday with um, a, a decent win, really. I hope hope that it's not... I hope it's not 3-0 to United. Right, OK, hopefully we're back Monday with a big win. Um, until then, have a good re- weekend and enjoy Old Trafford. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.